Hello and welcome again to you, friend of the fellow cast. Uh, it's another Bring Your Own Bible episode today. It's been a bit of rinse and repeat over the last couple of months. And this Bring Your Own Bible series has really been a blessing to me and to the fellow cast as we get to, to listen to stories from the Bible and in a particular way that Pastor Garth brings it about and, and shares it and tells it. It's, it's really easy to follow and it's really refreshing and enriching. Um, to take it in in this way. So today's episode is, uh, we kick off in chapter 28 of Genesis and we run through to chapter 30. So please get yourself ready and into receive mode for the next 20 minutes or so and be ready to, to just gain some new knowledge and perspective on these chapters from the Word of God. Enjoy! Yes, hello again, Valdu and listeners, and thank you for the opportunity of sharing the stories of the Bible in this beautiful way with you. So we enter chapter 28 of Genesis, and we follow on from where Jacob stole his brother's blessing. And remember that it was his mom, Rebecca's scheming that enabled all of this. She was the one who actually initiated and says, um, go and make the food, uh, go in and deceive your dad in order to get your brother's blessing. And that then results in Jacob having to flee away from his brother uh, because his brother was looking just for the opportunity. When his dad would pass away, he vowed he would um, kill his brother for having schemed and, and deceived him out of his birthright and out of his blessing, which resulted into the mom then saying to the dad, Isaac, listen, um, you see Esau's Canaanite wives well, aren't they a pain to us? How many times have we really hurt because of this different in culture and them serving another God? So let us then send Jacob away to go and get a wife from my side of the family, from the Rebecca side of the family. Remember uh, the story of the servant that um, Abraham sent to go and get a wife for Isaac from the family way up there in the land of Assyria. So Isaac agrees to this and he um, blesses Jacob and says, there you go, off you go, go and find yourself a wife. And the sad part then that Rebecca would never again see her favorite son, Jacob. So all of this resulted in her losing out on this relationship that she treasured so much. And it takes us into a very interesting part of the story because that night um, Jacob is then sleeping in the open field and he takes a rock as a cushion under his head and he has this dream, this vision that God gives him. And the vision is a ladder going up into heaven and heaven being opened with a Lord standing at the top of the ladder and angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And he wakes up in the morning and he says, surely this is the gateway to heaven. This is the house of God. And therefore he gives the place the name Bethel, which means house of God. Now I want to jump quickly forward and just point forward to another story, an instance where we hear something similar to this, because I really think it's significant. Remember that Jacob would become Israel, which is then the nation with the 12 tribes. So this is now another key part of the story. He's about to go and get his wife and then several wives, actually. And out of that, the nation will be born. The tribes of Israel will be born. Pointing forward, that is then the blessing that Jesus is born from. He is from the line of Jacob. 
Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Israel. And uh, when Jesus starts off his ministry, he has this um, interesting encounter with a guy called Nathaniel. And uh, Nathaniel is called by his brother. And when he arrives there, he says to him, listen, I saw you when you sat under the tree. And at that word of knowledge, Nathaniel replies and he says, um, surely you are the Messiah. You are the promised son of God. You're the savior of Israel. Um, and Jesus says, well, do you believe only because of that, because of one word of knowledge that I received? And then he replies to him, he says, you, Nathaniel, will see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Really interesting. So now in that picture that he sketches for Nathaniel, the Lord stands at the bottom of the ladder. Emmanuel, God is now with us. The kingdom of heaven has come with Jesus Christ marching in front of the kingdom. Um, and angels are ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So he becomes the gateway for heaven's encounter with earth. He becomes the open door on the earth for the angels to ascend and descend, to come into the realm of man. And stretching it one step forward, we are the body of Christ. So we are his representatives. We are anointed with the same spirit of Jesus Christ in the earth. And where we walk, uh, angels are ascending and descending. We are welcoming in the kingdom of God, declaring this is the time. The kingdom of heaven has come. Uh, it's a beautiful picture. It really is a lovely picture. Well, he wakes up in the morning and um, then has this reply, say, this is the house of God. And God speaks to him. God gives him a promise and he says, um, uh, all people on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. So God is perpetuating the promise that he gave to Abraham, that he renewed to Isaac. He's now giving it to Jacob personally and says, uh, this will be your land and I will fulfill what I've started in your family line. Well, the typical schema that Jacob is, his reply then to God at the end of this conversation is um, he made a vow and he says, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And um, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, God already gave him the promise. No strings attached. He says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to fulfill this. And Jacob returns to God and he says, well, if you look after me, then you will be my God. Um, by the time that Jacob comes back, he's going to be a very different man from this schema. He's going to be a very different man. Uh, he's going to be humbled and he's going to come back and have that wrestle with God just before he meets his brother. Uh, he's going to be a different kind of man. But God is going to fulfill this promise. God is going to do this. Now he goes up to pardon Aram. And very similar to the story of how that servant um, of Abraham met Rebekah at the well. He now also comes to a well. And there at the well has an encounter with Rachel. Um, and he uh, opens up the well. 
and he starts to give water. Uh, it says in verse 10, when Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and waters his uncle's sheep. Uh, he was just so kind to her and um, just so touched that this is family. I came so far and here at the well, just entering into the town, I bump into family. Um, and Jacob kissed her and he began to weep aloud. So uh, I think it really was a daunting journey up there, a trying time for him to be away from home and caring mom back there uh, all by himself. And then um, Rachel goes and spreads the news at home and says, listen, there's family at the well. And Laban comes running out. The same Laban that was part of the contract with Rebecca that made the deal for her marrying Isaac, that same Laban comes running out and he welcomes him and he takes him back into the home. Um, and immediately the story runs to Jacob being in love with Rachel. He says he just loved her. She was beautiful and she stole his heart. So he comes to his uncle and he says, listen, I want to marry her. I, I, I don't have a... Um, uh, money to give you labola. but what can I do I will work for you for seven years and after seven years um, give her to me as a wife and that seven year agreement was a tough one it was a tough long wait for the wife that he loved for the woman that he saw so often but it says because he loved her so much it just went by as if it was a few days Finally, after the seven years, he comes to the uncle and he reminds him, he says, listen, I've, I've done my time. I've paid my dues. Um, now can, let me have my wife. And there's a marriage feast. And at the end of the feast, he takes his wife, who's still veiled like she should be at the, uh, at the marriage feast. He takes her into the tent and um, he sleeps with her that night. The next morning he wakes up and in the light, he sees this is not Rachel. This is her sister, her older sister, Lee. And understandably, he's furious. He comes to his uncle and says, what have you done to me? Why have you deceived me like this? You know what our agreement was. I wanted to marry Rachel. And uh, Laban comes up with this lame excuse that he didn't mention conveniently beforehand. And he says, well, in our culture over here, we just don't do it like that. The oldest one he needs to marry first. So therefore, take her as a wife and fulfill the week the, the marriage week with her, in other words, have honeymoon with her. And then at the end of that, I'll give you Rachel and you can work for me another seven years for her. <laughs> well, obviously he had the guy um, uh, sort of by the ear because what's he going to do? He's in love with the other girl. What he should have done is obviously said, all right, I'll take Leah as my wife and I'll choose to love her. It would have been the right thing to do. But he agreed and he took a second wife, Rachel, and he withheld love from Lee. Right from the very start, Lee was not loved by Jacob, and he never, ever corrected that. Now, we've been speaking about generational curses, um, and in Abraham's line, it was Hagar, the slave woman that was taken as a second wife, and she was never loved. She was just there to try and conceive a child. And Abraham never corrected that. And eventually Ishmael and Hagar were sent away with basically nothing. Um, it, it was very wrong. 
In the next generation, then, we've got Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. The one is loved by dad. Dad withholds love from Jacob. The other one is loved by mom. Mom withholds love from Esau. And it gets to the point where Esau wants to murder his brother. It's that much of hate. Jealousy just brings that kind of division. Now we've got Jacob again with two wives. The one is loved. Rachel sees the favorite. The other one uh, is not loved at all. In fact, we're then going to read about the children coming. And the first one to conceive was Lee. But listen to what it says in chapter 29, verse 31. When the Lord saw that Lee was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. The price of Rachel being favored above Lee is Rachel not being able to have children. The Lord is closing her womb and in order to comfort Lee. Uh, he gives her children. So she has the first son, Reuben, which means it's a boy. My, my youngest is Reuben. <laughs> and then it is, um, she says, when the boy is born, she says, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She just longs for this love of her husband. Again, she has a child and she says, because the Lord heard that I'm not love, he gave me this one too. And this one is called Simeon. And the meaning of the name Sibian is one who hears. In other words, she says, God is hearing how hurt I am in this loveless marriage. Again, she has a child. And this time she says, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So this is now a couple of years into the marriage. And she's still not loved. And her yearning is just for her husband's love. She calls this one Levi. Levi meaning attached. The longing of her heart is, may my husband Levi me. May he be attached to me. Well, she has another son. And this time, she says, this time I will praise the Lord. She's just turning it on to the Lord and says, you are good to me, God. You're giving me children. But in all this time, Rachel cannot have children. The Lord is closing her womb. So she gets so desperate and becomes so jealous of her sister, um, Lee, that she cries out to Jacob and says, give me children or I'll die. Just listen to this woman's heart. She cannot bear that her sister con continues to have children, but she can't. And the jealousy between them is just growing. Imagine the atmosphere in the house. Jacob's reply is obvious. He says, well, I cannot give you children. That's for God to give. I cannot make it happen for you. Um. And so similar to what uh, Sarah did, um, uh, Rachel comes up with this idea and says, well, he, here's my servant, Bilhah. Take her as your wife. Maybe through her I can conceive children. Now remember the hurt that that caused Hagar? Because the children is counted to be the masters and the mistress. It's not her children. But she gives her up as a wife. Now Jacob has three wives, and still only one of them is loved, Rachel. Bilhah does conceive, and um, she then finally has a child called Dan. And she calls this child Dan because it means vindicated. God has vindicated me, has listened to my plea and given me a son. So it's all a contest with Lee. This is all that this is about. Um, she has another child, and this child is called Naphtali. I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. 
So the joy of the children is stolen now. This is just a, a, a fight between two women, the one loved and the other one not. Um, when Lee saw that she stopped conceiving in this race with her sister, she takes her servant, Zilba, and give it to Jacob as a wife. Now Jacob has four wives. Still only one of them is loved. The hurt in the family, the generational curse is just ripping this family apart. Zilpah then has a child and the child is called Gad, which means good fortune. And she just says, well, what good fortune? I have now conceived another child through my servant. Um, and Zilpah falls pregnant again, has another child called Asher. And she says, um, I'm happy. And the woman will call me happy, and that's the meaning of it. It's just, I'm happy. Well, then we get this really strange part of the story, and it, it's just a bit of a window into how hurt this family is at this time. Uh, Reuben, the eldest, goes out in the field. It's harvest time, and he goes and picks a bunch of mandrakes, and he brings the mandrakes home to his mom. Rachel passes by and sees the mandrakes and just asks, I mean, simple question, just says, can I have some of your son's mandrakes? To which Lee just bursts out. I can just picture this anger bursting out of there. It's just under the cover the whole time, this resentment. And her reply to her sister at this simple question is just, you have stolen my husband. Now remember, she was married to him first. She says, you have stolen my husband. Now you want to take my child's mandrakes? I mean, the reply seems extremely childish, but I'm sure all of us have been in a state like that where just stuff is just festering inside and it just waits for the last bit of straw for it to just come out. Andy Stanley has this great teaching when he speaks about you spill the burnt. Oh, you, <laughs> you spill the beans. Um, it's just you bump up to somebody and your stuff, all the stuff that's inside of you comes out. And all this hurt just spills out. So uh, Lee sees the opportunity and she says, all right, tell you what, you can have some of these mandrakes if I can sleep with my husband tonight. Just listen to the hurt of this woman. This, uh, she's really rejected. She's neglected as a wife. And she literally has to buy her husband for a night with a bunch of fruit that her son have brought. To which Rachel replies, all right, that's a deal. Let's go for it. Really sad. Um, well, God listened to Lee, the scripture says again, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. And she called this son Issachar, which means reward. God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband. So there's a sacrifice in giving Zilpah away. She's not my servant anymore. She's now his wife, which means I don't get the service that I would have had from her otherwise. And Lee conceived again. Um, and she says, uh, this one is called Zebulun, which means honor. God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. Still, she doesn't receive the love, the respect, the endearment that her husband should give her. And then it says later on she fell pregnant again and the only daughter was born through Lee and her name is Dina. And we'll tell her a sad story about her later. 
And finally, it says, the Lord remembered Rachel. Uh, in all this time, she couldn't fall pregnant. But finally, the Lord opened up her womb and she bore a son called Joseph. And um, she called him Joseph because she said, may the Lord add another son. Her yearning was was even for one more. And the Lord later did, um, which we don't read in the story right now. It's later when she conceives Benjamin that she would actually pass away during um, conceiving the child. But what we need to hear in all of this is um, jealousy found a way into the family way back there with Abraham, uh, with Hagar's story. And it hurt back there, but it hurt more in the next generation. And now in this generation, it hurts even more, the wives and in the sons that grows up with this resentment and jealousy that's in the family. They eventually going to take Joseph and uh, would have a plan to kill him, but eventually just sell him as a slave, make money out of him rather than kill him. So just see the the opportunity. Sin just waits for a stronghold, for a foothold. And when it gets the foothold, it's just going to grab and rip apart. Um, it's like God said to, uh, to Cain. He says, sin is waiting at the door. And it wants to just devour you, but you must master it. So take responsibility for it. Repent of it. Clean out from it. So next time, we're going to jump then into the story of um, how Jacob worked uh, for, his, uh, for his uncle, Laban, and how he earned his riches with which he would come back home. Thank you, Valdi. Thank you, Garth. It's really been a pleasure to have you on the fellow cast as much as we have, and especially this Bring Your Own Bible series. It's been a, such a great blessing, like I said in the beginning. And I really believe that the content that you and we are producing on this show will be valuable and an enriching resource for many, many years to come. Not just on this channel, but in our lives as we receive from the word and digest the word that you share with us, that it will bring great fruit in our lives. So we look forward to hear from you again next week, Pastor Garth, and we look forward to have you, our listeners. Until then, bye-bye.